0: Hello everyone and welcome to Whole Cluster Conversation. This week we are gonna be talking about one of my favorite topics, this thing that I talk a lot with um, my clients about, pollinators, beneficial insects, birds, bees, other things, wasps, flies, all of that kind of stuff. I um, am not an expert in all things insects, but I do have a lot of good knowledge And I think as the conversation goes on, we'll probably find out that Haley also has some really good knowledge about this. So I'm really excited for this conversation. And um, I think that it's a really important conversation to talk about because um, if you have a vineyard, you make wine, you know the importance of um, pollinators as well as those bad bugs and controlling everything. But I think also as a consumer, it's really important to understand kind of what those winemakers and vineyard in the, I, I still don't know what to call them, Haley, vineyardists, are vineyard managers are up against. So I'm excited for this conversation. So let's jump into it. I'm Haley. This is Ashley.
1: We are Whole Cluster Conversation. So I guess my first question for you is like, what are the things that you love seeing when you go out and do site visits? Are there certain bugs that you're like, yes.
0: (laughs) I mean, bees, uh, native pollinators are really excited. Um, I, I think because again, like I have really gotten into mason bees this past year. So when I see people are working on mason bee habitat or just like have even put up like, and oftentimes, like you don't need it, but it's like that good thing of hey, I put up some mason bee houses, which, for those of you that don't know, are little like blocks of wood, typically, or like the best are actually they kind of look like little straws mm-hmm. that you put, um, and uh, yes, yeah, to just show that hey, we're we're working towards those beneficial pollinators, and um, also just like you don't always see the bugs. So, it's cool to see like people working towards native plants and yeah. stuff like that. So providing the yeah.
1: habitat for the bugs, even if you don't see the bugs themselves.
0: yeah, exactly. I mean, this time of year, summertime, you're gonna see a lot of the bugs sometimes <laughs> in ways you don't want to, like if there's mosquitoes, but <laughs> um, but like most of the year you're just seeing like the other plants, but that's uh. You know, don't discredit that because that winter habitat is super important. Yeah. Haley, what types of bugs do you like to see <laughs> or not see at the vineyard? Or like what are people on the flip side? Yes, we um well,
1: I guess I'll take the easy route. And there's a couple things we don't like to see. We've seen leaf hoppers at our vineyard. Um okay. Two years ago, we saw them. We had a little bit of uh, leafhopper damage, which they um, like—they uh, chew into the plants and then suck out the sap. Basically, they're pretty big. Um, uh, like, there's a really big family of them, so they they affect different crops. But they can also—the reason we don't want to see them is they're a disease vector. So I think that's the okay. biggest thing in vineyards where when we talk about certain bugs and bad bugs, it's because Mm -hmm. they're a disease vector. Um, Okay. For
0: the plant.
1: Correct. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So there's also certain bugs that can really damage your crop by Mm -hmm. um, like eating at the plant, especially when it's um, uh, like the young shoots or even dormant buds. But um, like, again, like I just said, the bigger issue is when you have bugs that are, chewing on your plant and they also are carrying disease and then your plant is affected so it doesn't matter how many more bugs you have your plant is sick yeah. um yeah
0: but- well and i will be i'll be completely honest with you i just learned about the leafhopper because i got this awesome book farming with native beneficial insects <laughs> which i also sent over to Haley from the Xerces society and i was reading through that and um I don't work, you know, traditionally I haven't worked with as many vineyards, like for my, my college job, but like I, so I haven't, I just haven't encountered people that have to deal with that. So, um, it was cool for me to read a little bit about it and then hear you talking about it. Um, yeah, so I think
1: the thing that, um, uh, in especially dealing with bugs and pests Mm. that we hear a lot about, but there's, it's hard to define as integrated pest management. Yes. So, um, (laughs) we definitely take an integrated approach at our vineyard, which is, um, but like everybody takes an integrated approach. It doesn't matter (laughs) what you're growing or what you're doing. Like you're probably, doing some mechanized things. You're probably doing some sp- sort of spraying or trying to control bugs. You're probably, um, unless you're monocropping something, which even then, you know, you have ditches and other things, you probably are trying to um, provide some sort of natural habitat on like your your buffer zones and things like that. Mm-hmm. So integrated pest management, I think, is hard to understand because there's the definition is so broad. Um, yeah. But, Our integrated approach is to try to deal with some of the more invasive plant species that we Mm -hmm. have in the in the vineyard or um, noxious weeds and and to try to keep the other um, native um, plants healthy Mm -hmm. so that we have habitat for all the good bugs um, yeah. We actually like seeing wasps, which uh, I know is like yeah. for a lot of people that aren't in farming, they're like, "What? Why would you ever want to see wasps?" Um, but a lot of native wasps that we have are actually they like they lay their eggs inside of other bad bug eggs, and they yep. eat those those bugs before they can develop into the bugs as uh, when they're in a in a bigger bad state. <laughs>
0: I'm just like sitting here in awe because I feel like, like I said at the top, like, you know so much of this too. And so I think that's really awesome. But I was going to say, you know, that the thing is with like wasps and bees and all of those and and different things that are like, oh, they're stingers. They're going to hurt or like spiders or whatever. They're going to bite me. The thing you have to realize is that there's like thousands of different species of these insects. And so it's like, you know there's just like, uh, it's really hard, but we got to get past that fear and also realize like that, you know, there's a reason that we call them beneficial insects and trying to use that because like you said, they um, are, you know, there's parasitic wasps that go in and like, you know, put their eggs into something else. They eat other things. And so that's really great to have. Yeah. yeah, there's, um, yeah. Well, okay, so. I want to get back to the integrated pest management stuff that you just talked about. So
1: talk to me about um, what you think it is and how we can all.
0: (laughs) It's so funny because I was like, "Ah," as you were talking, I was thinking, I don't think I've ever actually like looked up the definition. I think I just always was like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Integrated pest management. I think it
1: means different things to different people. Um, And like, it's such a broad... It's basically taking different pieces of pest management, like different Mm -hmm. um, schools of thought. So whether that's, um, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, biological or chemical Mm -hmm. or mechanical and like using different pieces. And I heard a really great thing on um, the... um, um sustainable wine growing podcast where yeah. they were talking about integrated pest management, depending on your crop, means completely different things. Cause if you have a 60-day yeah. crop, like a cauliflower or probably like lettuce or something like that, mm-hmm. your integrated pest management might have like two prongs because you only <laughs> yeah. have 60 days to use it. Yeah. But then if you're looking at something like a vineyard or an orchard or something that, you know, is is gonna be in use for years and years and years, you have a lot more um, ability to use different pieces in order to control what you need.
0: Yeah, I I also I often like to use the term like adaptive management, too, with thinking about things because it's um, yeah, it's it's knowing all the tools in your toolkit, like and being able to basically say, okay, at this point I need this tool, and at this point I need this tool, and to understand truly how um, those different tools are used, because you know you could just say, and and vineyards have done this in the past, um, where they say, okay. I have leaf cutter beetle. I don't know. I have this pest on my crop and I'm gonna go out and just spray, spray, spray because spraying will get it. Spraying will be the thing that does it. But then there's you know the other fact that then all of a sudden, okay, you spray, but part of that is you're broadcast spraying, and so you're killing off some of those beneficial insects that also like then pollinate some stuff, and then you realize, like, oh no that doesn't work totally. And so it's just, it's constantly this like evolution, this, this learning process. And so with integrated pest management, it's knowing again, those tools and saying, okay, spraying can be used and is really effective in this time frame, But right. like, I also know that like, I can use beneficial insects. That's another tool. And maybe it's a little bit more specialized. And so, you know, you can't always use a crescent wrench for every right. <laughs> tool, thing. And Sometimes so it's kinda, you need a screwdriver.
1: <laughs> sometimes
0: you need a screwdriver. Exactly. And so it's just coming at it with those different approaches. And I think that um, that's why I, I love like the far- farming community and farmers and just like you know, thinking about that because it's always thinking about how to be creative and and get your end goals while knowing those tools and how to use them and, you know, not being afraid that there's going to be new research that shows like, hey, this tools actually works really well for this other thing, too. And so that's where I see a lot of times with integrative pest management, um, like I deal a lot with different weed species. And so we think about it with like, okay, you know, how are we going to use this biocontrol and looking at the research that's being done because the universities and extensions do really awesome research. And then, you know, we learn like, oh, cool. We've been doing, we've been treating knotweed this way for 10 years, but Hey, now there's this new way. Let's, let's see how that is. And so, um, it's just kind of constantly changing. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Because my dad
1: has a background in medicine. Sometimes I think about it, um, integrated pest management or adaptive management, similar to medicine. Like, you don't always, uh, if you're having problems, you don't always go to the pharmaceutical route first. Sometimes you do, um, physical therapy. Sometimes you mm-hmm. suggest, you know, we need to do surgery to remove something or to make sure everything is connected properly or whatever. And sometimes you say, you know what, we can fix this with a pharmaceutical product. So it's very similar. Uh, yeah. I feel like farming is <laughs> like medicine in that sense. Like you can use all the different tools.
0: Yeah. Well, and and, and kind of getting back to like pollinators and and crop, you know, different things is sometimes you're going to be doing something and then a bad bug comes in or there's a new thing. And so being able to adapt. And so, um, you know, you mentioned earlier, some, some crops you need, they, they're really short. And so they're going to be different techniques that you use, but, um, in vineyards, There's vineyards that are like hundreds of years old. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, and so around here, not as much, but, (laughs) you know, tens of years old. They're they're a long crop. And so thinking about everything you're doing is thinking about a longer term goal. You're not going to plant something like a hedgerow or a cover crop and you're not going to have the and you might have some immediate effects, but you're not going to have, there's going to be benefits that are going to be reaped like years later. It's
1: long-term.
0: Yeah. So, and that's, that's kind of what you have to think. I mean, for me, I just planted my garden and I'm thinking, I want the things now. Why aren't my plants big? Why am I not getting all my hummingbirds? But I got to remember, like we got to remember that it's a long-term and, um, so, thinking about like your plant selection and thinking about what potential pests you have for then, like, okay, you know, what species you're wanting to plant and knowing that those are going to grow. And as they grow, the plants are going to, you know, they're going to turn from a little seedling into a big bush eventually. <laughs> and so, and with those different life stages, you're going to have different habitat available for you know, your different beneficial insects, right. or pollinators, or, you know, even going as far as like, then they're going to provide food for birds and other things mm-hmm. that then you're going to be seeing those like longer term impacts. And there might be some things that you find out like, oh, I just planted a rose and it's, harboring this one bad pest that I don't like and so then you know you're gonna have to you know think about some things and maybe at some point you're like these guys are getting a little too intense and I need to think about being bringing in a bio control, which is like oftentimes the most common that we think of is like a ladybug and then yeah and aphids. The aphids
1: yeah yeah so when you're thinking about building something like a hedgerow or, Mm -hmm. um, somebody comes, I guess let's back it up. Somebody comes to you and is like, I really want to provide some habitat so that I have more beneficial insects. Yeah. What are like the, let's, let's not get too into the weeds, but like, what are the like three things that you say, okay, we need to consider X, Y, Z, um, or do this in order to encourage beneficials?
0: Yeah, so oh. hedgerows on the edge of your crops, and so they're gonna be providing that habitat um at, at the edge. And one of the interesting things that I learned is some species only go like a hundred feet, like fly around, you know, a couple hundred feet. So if you if you're if you have a really large acreage, you know, that's something that you need to consider about like where. Your um, pollinator habitat is located so that um, basically you have little islands and pockets that pe- mm-hmm. things can move. Um, we often like to say habitat corridors, yes, is like <laughs> a term. Um, and oftentimes you think about that with like urban environments and people creating backyard habitat because it's creating those corridors for things to move through. Um, so So that's kind of the one big thing is, you know, where they're planted and how that's going to impact your crop so that, you know, those beneficials are actually getting to where you want. And then the other thing with actually designing your crop is thinking about the plant species. And you want to think about having plant species that have the, okay, ready? They have the different color, a different um, texture. I'll explain all these later. And seasonality. And so what that's meaning is planting flowering plants that have an array of different colors so that, because different pollinators are attracted to different colors of plants. Um, and, and with that, you kind of also think about the different like bloom types. So something like an aster, which kind of looks like a daisy or whatever, right. versus like maybe a pensiman that has more of that like little mouth like tube um, Mm -hmm. opening. And so because those are going to attract different types of pollinators. So having an array of the colors and types like that and then the texture uh, especially comes into into uh, like the hedgerows because you want something that has like woody stems because as I mentioned earlier, like that winter habitat's really important so that you know, things can burrow into those stems and it provides that other type of habitat as well as like maybe some forbs and grasses because it's going to attract different types of, um, you know, pollinators as well as beneficial insects. And so having an array kind of helps, you know, you don't want just all your eggs in one basket. Um, so that's the texture. <laughs> <laughs> I just realized what I did there. <laughs> um, and then um, the last is seasonality. So you don't want everything to be blooming in the spring. You want to be thinking about um, having things blooming throughout the season, so that you're providing um, that that nectar and pollen and and habitat for animals throughout the whole year.
1: Yeah, Those, um, so. uh, it's really good if you're um, managing any crop. I mean, mm-hmm. you have to be a master of all trade or not all <laughs> trades, but like you have to be willing to learn about more than just like how to grow good potatoes. You gotta, yeah. you have to learn about <laughs> your soil. You've got to learn about the plant itself. You've got to learn about mm-hmm. beneficial insects. You've got to learn about pests, disease, yeah. everything. But something that you said sparked a thought that I had, which was, um, you have to understand your pests also to the degree of yeah. removing, like the issues like Mm -hmm. um that's part of integrated pest management is trying to disrupt their life cycle so if you have something like fruit flies that can have many many life cycles in within a relatively short period of time it's hard so you Mm -hmm. have to typically find um like there's times of the year that that they multiply very quickly and then there's other times of the year where they're um I don't know a lot about fruit flies. I should probably be using a different example, but I'm sure where they like lay eggs and those eggs lay dormant for a while. And then they, um, you know, in the spring or whatever, um, they they lay dormant from fall to spring and then they um, hatch. So that's when you want to interrupt their life cycle and try to... to, remove or kill as many as possible. So like you were saying, you want to have all these woody tissues where p- things can overwinter like eggs or um maybe bugs themselves. Um there's some burrowing insects I know that mm-hmm. like live in the soils overwinter. But there's there's really good research that shows if you remove like the leaves or the dead tissue in your vineyard if you have certain pest problems and you remove those then you don't need to spray. So there's, Mm -hmm. there's ways that you can deal with really big issues without having to use a pesticide because you're able to, um, remove the problem from the source, which is, yeah.
0: And then the, con, I mean, and it depends on crops. So that's like interesting to note because sometimes certain pollinators and bugs, we actually say like, I know, like in the backyard habitats mm-hmm. world and stuff, it's like you want to leave some leaves yes. because it they provide some stuff. Um, the other thing we didn't talk about because we're talking really like plant focused but there's other things you can be doing like creating brush piles or even like rocky like stone piles or like, and that could just be like, hey, I have this decorative stone wall that can provide habitat. Um, and the other thing often is. Uh, like open bare ground there's a lot of uh bee species and stuff that use that bare ground so if you've ever been walking across like kind of a you know dusty open, dusty area you might see all these little holes in it that are like very perfect like little holes um sometimes i, I think they look like somebody walked with like a spiking like a hiking stick yeah. and like put very perfect little holes um in it and that's uh ground nesting bees sometimes and other things in there and they can you know provide that good habitat i don't
1: know what the percentage is either because i know um a lot of like the our river guide friends hate ground nesting bees but a lot of times (laughs) they don't even know they're there um it's only when you unfortunately get into a nest and you antagonize that nest
0: (laughs) so i will say when walking around a vineyard both as a you know vineyardist as well as like somebody that's visiting a vineyard be careful in august and september because that is when your yellow jackets and different things are actually starting to die and they go into the ground and then you walk over their nest and then they come out and sting you talking from personal experience (laughs) here (laughs) (laughs) So, so yeah, I mean, it's the nature of the beast. Like, there's going to be everything. But I think it's thinking about all of that. So,
1: yeah. Oh, it's definitely a holistic approach.
0: And that's the nice thing about farming is
1: usually it is a holistic approach. It has to be. You don't mm want to just farm for one year. You want to keep farming year after year after year. So you're trying to do all the things you can to make sure your whole ecosystem stays as healthy as possible.
0: Yeah. One of the things I was actually reading about this weekend cuz you know I'm a nerd and I sit here and read about pollinators on the weekend um and I did not realize and I want to do more more reading about was just how there are some species of plants that you can kind of start saying oh like leaf cutter beetle is an issue. So there's a couple of species that you can start thinking like oh I don't want that species of plant because it's actually a host for it. And so one of the things I was reading about was um, in the Willamette Valley, one of our big non-native plants that's just basically taken over and it's like can't really fully manage it anymore is Himalayan blackberry. Yeah. And blackberries, while they provide a yummy, tasty treat in August, um, they just like take over Um, a lot of our like edge natural area. And um, oftentimes you'll see them on the edge of vineyards and uh, they can actually hold some types of pests. So I was reading about some vineyards were actually going through and like making sure to get rid of their blackberries and then having success with certain pest species, because like you mentioned earlier, like removing the leaves, removing that. And so um, that's, I think an area of, you know, continual research, so figuring out like, you know, maybe looking at your universities and extension programs in your region and saying like, oh, what species, like maybe non-native species or whatever, are our hosts plants to those things that I don't like and and don't plant those ones (laughs) or get rid of them. (laughs)
1: Yes. (laughs) There's also something that, um, we do and it's more historical. It's, um, I don't know that we would necessarily, uh, benefit from it as much now because we have other things, but in the wine industry, a lot of people traditionally would plant um, roses at the ends of their grapevines as like an Mm -hmm. indicator plant, a lot of pests will affect. I don't know if they're necessarily um, attracted to those first, but I think they start, the roses start showing the effects of Mm -hmm. certain pests um, and maybe disease before it's like the canary in the coal mine before the grapevines. And so you can start dealing with that um, before the plants even show the grapevines show that they're ill or being affected by a pest.
0: Yeah, that's actually I was reading about that this morning, Haley. So funny because I was <laughs> like, so for for like me, I have apples and pears. And I was just reading this thing that wild rose, which, of course, I planted some wild rose in my rain garden that's kind of near my trees. And uh, apparently enough. it's a host for some special some, some pests species for apples and pears. So I was like, oh, but yeah, I was reading that same thing about how oftentimes you can, um, I actually worked with a veggie farmer that just wanted, like I said, he about those islands because mm-hmm. he had planted a hedgerow on one of the edges of his property and it was looking awesome but he was saying like hey I just want to like bring certain like pollinators in a little bit more into the rows and so we were discussing because he he has some of those short-lived crops that he's constantly turning over and he's an organic farmer and so we were talking about like oh should we plant stuff in the end of those rows. Um and then we through our discussion were like maybe instead we would he would actually create little like planter boxes oh. because he's like moving his crops around. So then he could like put those and it would have like lavender and other things right. as well as like some um native plants. But you know, some of those things that he wanted to like kind of bring in. Yeah. Um to bring those pollinators and beneficial insects from his hedgerows kind of into the crops a little bit more. And so um, I know that's not vines, but that's like something that, um, you know, in vineyards you can think about. So
1: So I know in the Willamette Valley, um, this is not necessarily an issue, but you and I were on a talk a couple months ago. We were both listening to a speaker talk about how to encourage beneficial insects. And he said the one thing that a lot of people overlook is water. So mm-hmm. I'll let you take the reins on water <laughs> and like why why it's important to provide some water for uh especially in places like where where we farm, uh mm-hmm. in an arid area. Um so yeah.
0: I mean, I think that could go in a lot of different directions. <laughs> so <laughs> I might wanna have a little bit of direction from you. Just just
1: um I so it was David James and he was talking about mm-hmm. um it's great to. He's
0: a great researcher. P.S. Yeah, great researcher out of uh, Washington State University, I believe. Correct. That's correct.
1: And he, um, he's there. He's an entomologist, and that's mm-hmm. talk that we um, found. And if we can find a link to it, we'll put it in the show notes. But I'm not sure if it was, um, if it's recorded. it was recorded. But he was saying, um, in especially the arid part Dry. of the northwest, everybody. Well, not everybody. People will, will plant all these great um, hedgerows and other natural spaces and have backyard habitats. And in, in the neighborhoods, it's not so much a problem because you're watering stuff a lot in the neighborhoods. Mm. And so there's water available. But out where we do a lot of farming, if you're using drip irrigation, especially because you're in an arid area and you don't want to waste water, Which is what we use. Which is a great thing, (laughs) right? Which is what we use at the vineyard, and a lot of a lot of crops are moving toward it, especially as um, Mm -hmm.
0: uh,
1: the population grows in um, the Treasure Valley and in Idaho. So he was saying that we you can't overlook the importance of water for the beneficial insects you're trying to encourage, especially if it's part of their life cycle. (laughs) But even if it's not, they still need a water source. Insects need food and water.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's like us, like food, water, shelter is really important. And so I, one of the things I was reading a little bit too, that kind of gets at that is, um, yeah, having the water, having your crops. I think that's why sometimes I say, hey, native plants are really awesome because you should always water your native plants a little bit to help get them established for sometimes the first like one, two to three years, but then usually they're established pretty well. Um, we just had a horrible like heat storm that came through. Um, and so I think, uh, this summer. And so that was something that a lot of people have actually lost their crops, um, because of the water situation. Um, So keeping, you know, keeping your water hydrated, but also um, thinking of your soil moisture for your plants as well as your pollinator plants. Because um, one of the things I was reading that's what you're saying is, um, you know, if you're planting or like if you're planting, say, native plants plants like a cover crop in between your vineyard or your vines, then you need to make sure that they're not like sucking all the water moisture from your vines too. But there's also like birds and like having uh, water baths for birds are really important. Um, And then there are, you know, some animal or bugs like dragonflies and stuff that use uh, water as part of their life cycle they have little nymphs and you can um and stoneflies and cicada or not cicadas caddisflies <laughs> um that are in streams and stuff and use use that and so, so so you'll see them sometimes on rocks and stuff and then they'll come out so i don't know And, you know, they could get thirsty. They need water to go over and drink from. So um, that can be as easy as, you know, just putting having including a water feature at your property or even just putting out a bowl of water like that's what I do right now. My husband hates it. I keep telling him water that thing, and he's like, "It's just a big metal plate." And I'm like, "Yeah, but it's, it's providing- for the butterflies. <laughs> it's for finding habitat." And he's just like, "So I have to go out there sometimes and pour <laughs> some it. more water in it."
1: <laughs> but- oh. So you talked a little bit about cover crops in that last little comment. Mm-hmm. So, um, what do you feel? How do you, do you feel like cover crops can be beneficial for? Yeah, insects.
0: Yeah, for sure. One of the things I know that you guys have done, which is really cool in a like a quick and easy way, is just mowing every other row of your of your vineyard. Mm-hmm. And um that again just provides some like, you know, variation and you know, still allows you guys to kind of keep some things managed, but at the same time provide that habitat. Um in the Willamette Valley, we'll really like British Columbia down. Um we have Lost a lot of our prairie species, um, and what I think vineyards have a good opportunity to do is provide additional habitat. And so you can think of cover crops, um, you know, as like in pastures and stuff. We'll we we'll oftentimes you know have like grasses and 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 different like forbs, like uh, legumes, uh, peas and stuff that yeah. provide nitrogen and in, back into the soil. And uh, so you'll see like clover and stuff is an oftentimes a really popular cover crop because it introduces nitrogen back into the soil. Um, But I think it also you could even think about having native plant cover crops. And so that would provide that pollinator habitat as well as provide the soil moisture benefits and the um, nutrient benefits of you know, putting stuff back into the soil because it also helps with, like, erosion, which oftentimes is an issue on vineyards because you guys are planting on slopes and (laughs) if you don't have some plants that help, like, bring that up, you can get, and if you're overwatering, you can get that um, erosion issues Mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. So, yeah, I I think cover crops are really easy and um, can can provide a multi-pronged approach of like that soil benefits, you know, beneficial stuff as well as like, you know, creating like a beautiful vineyard with like pretty flowers in between your rows. Um, Something you have to do, think about is like the height of it and making sure that you're just not like having it overgrown because you don't want to introduce like you know vines really need to to breathe and so you don't have moisture you know uh mold issues right Haley <laughs> so um that's you know something to consider if you do some sort of cover crop like that
1: and the other thing that I always have to remind myself because sometimes I'll come to you with a question and something you're really great about doing is asking well what are your goals <laughs> yeah, that's like my main thing <laughs> you know thing. if you're planting a a cover crop is it just to, so that your boots don't get muddy because yeah. there's that's a certain type of plant and if it's to you know and it's okay to have multiple mm-hmm. goals but you have to really think about why you want to do something and then move from yeah, there yeah and
0: i mean i think that's uh How I differ, than you know, we're all different individuals, but one of the things (laughs) that I think I do pretty well, if I toot my own horn, is that I think about those goals and think about managing um, both the producer's aspect as well as, like, you know, my ecology love of stuff. Cause you know, I could go down a real dark path of being like, well, you guys are just destroying all the native habitat, but (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to go down there. So I try to think about like, what are people's goals and how can we, you know, work together to provide that. And like how some of these things that are really great for the environment can also be really great for, um, a vineyard. I want to know about a
1: couple of the things that we see often in our vineyard, okay. and then I think we can do a little bit Sounds of that Sounds
0: great. Up. What do you think about earwigs? I hate them. I have a hey, that. Okay, <laughs> so <laughs> that that was you didn't even realize you were touching a point there. Hey? Like, <laughs> I did. <laughs> so you know how I, did I have not. no fear of spiders, like. Snakes, all the things that a lot of people have fears of. I'm like, actually, I'm like, they're cool. I poke at them and whatever. Earwigs, I will run away squealing. I don't. I've gotten better, but I grew up with (laughs) them. So I and had some pretty bad experiences with them growing up. So I know that they're part of the thing. I if you have chickens, they do a really great job of eating (laughs) them.
1: okay so
0: i don't know in terms of like crops and like how to manage them that way but or like what they do don't do they provide a pollination service
1: i think they do they do
0: in some in some in some plants so i mean it's like when people say i just had this question of what would happen if we got rid of all the mosquitoes like wouldn't that be great and I always take a big pause and say, no, while I hate mosquitoes and they think that I am the best treat alive and just eat me,
1: <laughs> um,
0: they fulfill a niche. They fulfill a role in our ecosystem. So earwigs fulfill a role. And I always think like if we were to remove that as, you know, sometimes we see with, you know, broadcast spraying we remove it and then something else comes in that's worse and so Mm -hmm. there's a niche there's a role that they're filling and I think our role is to figure out how to make sure that that they don't explode and go out of control and figure out like how to keep them at bay while still allowing them to fulfill that niche that they provide so I think that's like yeah. when it gets down to it, what farmers are trying to do is say, okay, I see you. I know you have that role there, but I also need to keep you at bay. So, yeah. I'll um, just get chicken. What about praying mantis?
1: <laughs> I'm just looking for like a good, bad, I don't know. I don't know. know. I know
0: that they're a problem. <laughs> I, I know that they have, again, some beneficial parts to them i don't really know but i think that they're
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs>
0: um
1: we did I do you know you, anything I'm not about an
0: entomologist i have a really know, good friend that's an entomologist and i text her all the time oh maybe i questions. should save save these questions and we should have her own um,
1: like or a... have
0: an entomologist on yeah yeah,
1: yeah. um well, and something that you suggested, it doesn't give you a um, good, bad, ugly, whatever, but um, I always give it a plug because it's helped me a ton and that's I iNaturalist. Mm-hmm. So I can take a picture of a bug and find out what it is and then go and do yeah. research um, if I don't know where to start.
0: And a um, lot of um, like you know, there's Washington Department of Ag. I'm sure it's called Idaho Department of Ag. <laughs> there's Department of Ags at state levels, and they um, and there's also regional um, ones because like you know, for instance, in Oregon and Washington, often work together because we have different things that are affecting us all, um, like the Japanese longhorn beetle pine pine beetle (laughs) let's go with that one but you know there's different things that impact us and so uh they if you look at their they'll they'll talk about like you know the importance of like not moving firewood and not doing stuff because um not moving plant materials like we probably don't a lot of people don't realize it but you know nurseries plant nurseries are really um inspected because like you can't you can move things with soil like in the vineyards you know that with like um phylothora is that what it's called
1: Phylloxera.
0: um because you know there can be soil pathogens and like so you got to really um yeah there's a, a group called aphis and so they they look at those like insects and and knowing like what the bad ones are and 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 trying to control that. And that's what my friend that's actually an entomologist does is she does a lot of trapping and and inspection to see like what what bugs are out there. And so she works with a lot of farmers going to their crops to set traps to because, you know, they want to know as soon as something has taken over an area. So. Yeah.
1: Yeah. All right, what else do you want um people to no.
0: Um I think the biggest thing is just thinking about trying to bring everything together, come at it with all those different tools don't be afraid to do research and to try new things. Know that there's a lot of great resources out there. Um, NRCS is a great one. The plant material centers, those are, you know, every, uh, I think pretty much every state has them. Um, there's some really awesome nurseries that put together like native seed mixtures. I know there's a lot of universities like Boise State in your area, um, University of Idaho, Um, Oregon State University, University of Washington, all of, you know, those um, in our region, all of those are doing really awesome research. There's some of the UC schools that are doing cool research if you're down there. Um, so don't be afraid to look into your extensions. Don't be afraid to try new things. Um, sometimes even work with your extensions and say, Hey, I have this idea. Like I want to do this. And oftentimes there's grad students that are looking for cool projects and you might even get some like free labor or some like really good ideas for like how to like do something on your vineyard. And, um, I think that, you know, as consumers to people that aren't, you know, vineyard, just know that like when you're going out to vineyards to see those cool things, ask those questions, um, learn about how how your winemakers are doing stuff and, and knowing that these things exist and that um, there are issues that different winemakers are making or are, are dealing with. And so sometimes maybe there's a bad year and it might affect the taste of your wine and it might affect the amount of wine coming out of a certain regions. So yes. I think all Hopefully, that's like...
1: just mostly the latter.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah. So I just think that that's really important. And, um, I, I will also just put the plug in that, like, I think as vineyard, uh, uh, people, people that are growing vines, <laughs> that it's really <laughs> important, like thinking creatively of like, for instance, how there's a lot of native habitat that's in decline and a lot of native plant species. And like you can do an awesome role of just like planting them at your vineyard and helping bring yeah. those back. And so I think that's a really a lot cool of, opportunity.
1: Yeah. there's Because vineyards do only use a certain percentage of the ground they actually are planted on, there is there is a ton of opportunity and there's great yeah. research that shows that it's really beneficial for your your vines actually yeah. to have that.
0: There's, Habitat. I mean, we didn't go into it, but there is just loads of cool research out there that shows all the importance of that stuff. So, yeah, um, do your research for your area and and have fun with it. Like, you know, have fun.
1: <laughs> Next week, we're going to talk about glassware. <laughs> um, so if you have questions about how to choose the right wine glass or, um, you know, The differences in brands, other questions related to glassware, or even just funny stories about um, your own glassware choices or your own glassware um, that you use, please email them in. We'd love to hear from you. You can reach us at wholeclusterconversation at gmail.com.
0: And we won't judge you because I drink wine out of a mug. (laughs) Thanks, everybody.
1: We'll talk to you next week. Bye.
0: Thanks again for joining us for another episode of Whole Cluster Conversation.
1: Music provided by Michael Johnson of Grand Falconer.
0: Audio production provided by our friend Ukiah Bogle.
1: Make sure to subscribe to our podcast wherever you like to listen.
0: Ciao.